This podcast is brought to you by the NRCA Healthcare Program. Did you know that NRCA now offers quality, affordable healthcare options for NRCA members of all types and sizes? Visit nrcahealth.com to learn more. You've got nothing to lose and a lot to gain. Welcome to another episode of Stories of an Extraordinary Industry, a production of NRCA, the National Roofing Contractors Association. I am your host, Jared Ribble. Our longtime listeners know our goal is you would be proud of the great things being done in the roofing industry and that you might learn something from this extraordinary story. If this is your first episode, we are glad you're here. If you enjoy it, give it a rating or a comment in whatever platform you are listening. This episode is a story of a family business, four generations in fact, actively filling roles within the organization. How did this company go from sewing clothing for baby dolls to providing roofing membrane to some of the world's highest profile buildings? There's a lot to mine from the culture of innovation that they have built, but also how they have managed to keep four generations engaged in the company. How is this possible with a large family of differing interests and talents? We will get to that, but first, let's roll back the clock to 1949 to a little town in Northeast Ohio. Here is Richard Seaman, chairman of Seaman Corporation. My dad started the business in a little community called Canal Fulton when it was just a cut and sew operation. And that business was really creating fabrics for a variety of applications. A variety of applications. They were sewing baby pants, doll clothing, auto seat covers even, not manufacturing roofing materials. They began to grow their sewing operation and they needed to find a good source of labor. My grandfather had worked in Peshawton, Ohio, during the war, and he told my father that, you know, the best labor market in the the state was in Holmes County. That's where he started experimenting with uh, mixing vinyl compounds. He would mix them up in my mother's kitchen, stick them in her oven to cure them, put them in the freezer to see if they would remain flexible in cold weather, and then he changed the formulation until he got it right. Then he felt he could put those on the new emerging nylon fabrics and make a fabric that would replace canvas truck tarps. Let's pause the tape for a second. Mr. Seaman was sewing clothes for baby dolls and using his wife's kitchen as a laboratory experimenting with different compounds to add to vinyl. I'm imagining telling my wife, sorry, honey, there's no room in the fridge for leftovers. I'm trying something that, you know, I think might replace leaky canvas truck tarps. She might slap me. Once he got that done, he was able to look at other products out there that took high performance industrial fabrics, such as air supported structures, tension structures, fabrics for inflatable boats, just a wide variety. He went from one application to another application. Unfortunately, he passed away in 1978 at the age of 55. But during that time period, he created an innovation culture within the company itself. Out of all that experimentation came a pivotal development in Siemens history. We were looking at 
a polymer that DuPont had produced kind of on an experimental basis that was supposed to replace the liquid plasticizer that were, was used in vinyl compounds. We had the unique processing capability that allowed us to do that and created a, a product, high performance product that was very chemical resistant. What we did was replace the liquid plasticizer that made vinyl flexible with this Elbaloid product that was this new emerging polymer from DuPont and made a product that strengthened PVC because the plasticizer wouldn't be extracted out either by chemical or over time. So it created a product we called XR5 and we marketed it into the environmental application. Environmental applications, meaning they were using the XR5 membrane in landfills and other areas where the environment needed to be protected. It was a below-grade product for the most part. Well, in the early 80s, we learned that some of our customers were buying XR5 and putting it down on roofs. So I went up and visited a number of roofs that had the uh, 60 mil EPDM. I could take our fabric that would be formulated for roofing using the XR5 technology and make a mechanically fastened system that would be very cost competitive and probably more efficient to put down. So we took the XR5 technology, which had this extremely great chemical resistance and long life, and we blended that with the knowledge that we had about architectural fabric structures. We were making fabrics for years for air-supported structures and tension structures where the fabric was actually the roof and combined those two technologies together to come up with the fabric design and the formulation for fiber type. Innovation is a challenge all its own. After the innovation comes the next set of challenges. Getting market acceptance and figuring out what that supply chain would be into the roofing marketplace and getting roofing contractors and building owners to take the risk on a membrane that had just been recently introduced was the big challenge that we had. I always recall the story of being at an NRCA convention and a cocktail party and Rene Dupree was there and he had done some analysis of our membrane. He was a, a roofing consultant at that point. And he introduced me to one of the contractors. I don't know who it was at that point. He said, I want to introduce you to Richard Seaman, who makes a membrane that is over-engineered and too thin. So <laughs> that was the other real challenge was because we were taking a 30-mil membrane and said it'll perform as well as a 60-mil EPDF, for example. We found uh, some contractors that believed in us and put some of it down. They tried it and saw it was performing well. Uh, we found manufacturers reps that had good networking amongst the roofing contractor industry, and they became believers, and they did a really, really good job of promoting our product. All that time in the kitchen laboratory paid off, and FiberTite was able to get market acceptance with their roofing membrane. Not much over the years has needed to change from their original design. How then does a company continue a culture of innovation when their original product is standing the test of time? Here is Scott Gibson, FiberTite's Vice President and General Manager. So there's lots of ways to think about innovation and not just chemistry and you know value engineering the product that we make or things like that. But we're actually stepping out into that same backbone chemistry 
to develop new products and new segments, new industries. So adjacent opportunities where durability, product strength, resiliency is clearly uh, valued and needed in the marketplace. So this notion of innovation and ideas and creativity in, in, in a company our size, I mean, it just really manifests itself throughout all functions. Here also is Seaman Corporation's CEO, Jeff Schwartz. You know, there are ways to innovate in installation. A wider sheet has been one way to, to you know, maybe have less seams on a, on a roof. But I do believe there's going to be new innovations in installation, uh, whether it be, you know, product related or equipment related that might make it a little bit less labor intensive on a roof. You know, we talk about innovation, not just from a product perspective, but how we do our everyday jobs. And so, you know, innovation can be products. We talk about it, you know, as new new product opportunities, but also how we think about trends, whether it be sustainability or labor availability uh, or other mega trends. How can we be doing things differently as a company and more innovatively as a company? Innovation can be found in all areas of life, often hiding in plain sight. So keep your eyes open. You never know, the next great roofing product might be found in your spare bedroom, maybe your garage, or even your wife's kitchen. How exactly does Seaman Corporation pass down their company culture of innovation, lasting to date four generations? We will find that out and more, but first. Hi, I'm Jamie Sessions with NRCA, and I am thrilled to announce the launch of the NRCA Healthcare Program, which offers affordable, flexible, customized healthcare benefits to meet all budgets. NRCA's program provides tremendous value through significant cost reduction, product customization, and improved health outcomes for those insured. The NRCA Healthcare Program will help you save money, as well as attract and retain valuable employees. Give us 15 minutes and get a free evaluation of your current health care program and allow us to show you the range of affordable options. You have nothing to lose and a lot to gain. Visit NRCAHealth.com or call NRCA program partner Vault Health Strategies at 866-431-8721. Norm Seaman started a little sewing operation after he served as a pilot in World War II. He was constantly innovating, even using his kitchen as a laboratory, discovering unique ways to add polymers to vinyl, which could be used as truck tarps, inflatable boats, and portable tension structures. This innovation led to creating a roofing membrane and the launch of FiberTite. Norm Seaman had children, and as many fathers do, dreamed his kids would have interest in the family business. Here again is Richard Seaman, Norm's oldest son. I have four siblings. There's five children I was in the business. They're all younger than I am. My father's vision was for all of us to work in the family business. That vision was so strong that when college became a bit of a struggle for them, he let them come work in the business rather than force them to finish college. It's okay college isn't for everyone, and a reality many parents listening grapple with at some point. But Richard did go to college. I went to Bowling Green State University. My dad wanted me to go get a business degree because he thought that if I went to college and got a business degree, that I would have all the answers to growing a business. 
Uh, I stayed an extra year and got a master's degree in business. And the first year, with all that knowledge, I proceeded to lose our largest customer. So <laughs> I didn't have all the answers <laughs> at that point. At some point, not all family members will want to continue with the family business. We just started having some of the challenges that most family businesses have, uh, which resulted in they're asking me to buy them out. Well, after I bought my brothers and sisters out, succession planning was a different story. I started doing a little research. We ran into a business consultant in uh, Chicago, John Ward, who had studied 5,000 family businesses in his career, specifically to see which ones passed their business on successfully for more than three generations. And as you might imagine, 10% do that successfully. What we pulled from that was that what you teach your children to begin with, number one is what the value and the treasure of a family business is. That it's not just about the family, but it's about all the families that work for you and, and, and the opportunity you're creating for those livelihoods. But secondly, that it's a role of stewardship and ownership that's important. Not every family member is the right fit to actively work within the daily operations of the business. You know, that word stewardship, Richard said, is interesting. Let's unpack stewardship with Carrie Alt. She is Richard Seaman's daughter and third generation to work in the business. The idea of active stewardship and supporting your family business without working in the business was introduced to us about 25 years ago. So it was the late 90s, and our family began having meetings around business ownership, where we began to learn the difference between working for the business, as it, having your career in the business, working in operations of the business, serving on the board of directors, and, and um, working on the governance aspect of the business, and then, and then being an owner, a shareholder, a steward of the business. You don't have to feel obligated to have your career in the business if you want to be an active steward or shareholder of the family business. And you want to see that your parents' culture and legacy continues. Then if they want to have their career in the business, I think that's fine. Well, I think the first thing is to be sure to recognize there's three components to a business. There's the ownership of the business. There's the governance of the business. And then there's the leadership or management of the business. And those are three very distinct kinds of responsibilities that have their own roles. We like to look at it as like a set of hats and which hat are you wearing in the business? And it's very important that you understand that. If you try to put somebody in to be a leader, you know, a family member or not, but specifically a family member, to be a leader of the business and they don't appreciate the importance of stewardship from an ownership standpoint, or if you haven't built a governance process, the chances of success are minimized quite a bit. Any business owner that has any expectation of passing their business on to the next generation should really focus on the governance process and build a good independent outside board of directors. First of all, the outside board of directors is an incredible resource to the owner that's, that's running the business. But secondly, it can provide the balance with the ownership, the, the children of the next generation, make them understand their role as owners versus running the business itself. 
we have a great foundation and good relationships and a strong professional management team and a strong outside board of directors. And if all of those pieces are aligned, it's a win. Welcome back, Siemens CEO, Jeff Schwartz. Being very clear on everybody's roles is what allows the business to thrive and and there's no concerns at all about uh, trying to keep family members employed or, or you know, family members, you know, uh, uh, overstepping their bounds. We started having family meetings 25 years ago. As our family kind of grew more complex and our business grew more complex, we changed the structure to um, formalize it a little bit more, create a, a formal family council, include our spouses in this family council, and then also begin to develop some programming for the next generation. That's designed to share what's the value of the family business, what does it do, and help educate the next generation, our grandchildren in this case, of of what the value of stewardship is. The other thing the family council does is focus on the philanthropy of the business, and that obviously engages children into that a great deal. So there's a lot of roles that the next generation of children can play in a family business to assure its continued success, but not necessarily either have their careers in the business, nor have to be the CEO of the business. In 2017, we started what we call a family assembly, and we get together once a year. We bring all the family together with the goal of of building unity among the different generations, among the cousin generation, um, my sibling generation and my parents, but also to educate the the next generation and our our generation. We all learned together. And so the, the next generation, the fourth generation, together they learned about our business. They saw our products. They've gone through many rotations to learn what some of the departments do, what the marketing department does, what the HR department does, what's happening on the manufacturing floor. We tried to expose them to what types of different careers you might be able to have in the business. I feel very strongly that this generation also needs to pursue their own passions and they need to blaze their own trails um, and follow their hearts and what they want to do. With family members focused on stewardship and not always active in day-to-day operations, how then does Seaman Corporation protect the family culture and values? One of the first tires I made within you know, 12 to 18 months after my father passed away was a human resource manager whose full-time responsibility was to focus on the human capital of our company. That initiative has grown over the years to where we have a very robust human resource department. And the responsibility is not just identifying and recruiting, but it's also to continue to drive the culture within the company. Here again is Scott Gibson. You know, there's a lot of intelligent people with subject matter expertise, but I think there's also a bit of a chemistry that, you know, that has to fit within this organization. And so while we're not semen blood, I think that most people would consider themselves to be uh, part of the semen family. It's important that the HR leader reports directly to the CEO because that person can really keep the CEO up to date with the pulse of the company. But we spend a lot of time talking about our company culture and, you know, highlighting what is what is unique and different. So you got to identify people that have a passion for the culture of your business. I like to say I want to find people that would love to run their own businesses, but they don't want to 
take the risks associated with that in terms of starting a business or they don't have the ability to do it, but we can empower them so they can get the same level of fulfillment in the roles that they play in our business. It should not be a surprise that a company founded on innovation would find unique ways to have continued involvement in the family business across four generations. You know, you may have a son or daughter you hope will take over the family business someday. Just a little bit of innovative thinking might be all it takes to integrate your child's talents, interests, and passions into your family legacy. But Richard Seaman would suggest it takes more than innovative thinking required to successfully integrate family into your business. It takes distinctive processes and strategic planning. To help you navigate those challenges, Richard authored a book titled A Vibrant Vision, The Entrepreneurship of Multi-Generational Family Business. In it, he does a deeper dive into the concepts we just began scratching the surface here and so much more. Look for it on Amazon. But I have a copy of the book to give away to our listeners. Send me a note about what you learned from this episode and one idea from our guest's story that you plan to implement into your business. Send the note to stories at nrca.net and on May 15, I will randomly select a winner and send Richard Seaman's book, A Vibrant Vision, The Entrepreneurship of Multi-Generational Family Business. Thank you to everyone who contributed to this episode. Richard Seaman, Carrie Alt, Scott Gibson, and Jeff Schwartz. You have inspired us by your extraordinary story. We are always looking for more stories to tell of the great work being done in the roofing industry. Email me at stories at nrca.net. We might just choose to share it here. As we end our time together, just a reminder that if you want to see us continue to produce these episodes, make sure you share this episode with just one person that needs to hear it and give it a rating in whatever podcast platform you are listening. This episode was produced by Alex Wart for NRCA. I am your host signing off. Be well, be safe, and be proud of this great industry. made it all the way to the end. Thank you and enjoy this quick bonus story. Well, I can remember, I, I, I can so clearly remember, you know, my dad was always up early. Um, he often dropped me off at school in junior high. You know, one vision I have are just his, his work shoes, his dress shoes kind of clicking across the hardwood floors. That hasn't changed, Reed. When I go home, <laughs> I often stay at my parents' house and 6 37 o'clock my dad's up and his you know his 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 shoes are often clicking as he's going into the office now he doesn't go into the office every day he works from home or or from some of his favorite places a little bit more but boy when i'm in town for board meetings and i hear those clicking shoes you know early in the morning he's always the first one there and i just i think he's remains as dedicated as ever to to this business to this vision of of the business becoming and remaining a multi-generational business and, and certainly dedicated to the associates and the outside board members that, that support all of this.